Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Game Train Podcast. I'm Callan Davison and actually joining me this week oh, is hey. actually Carl because I hit him oh. that time. Wow, <laughs> here I am. Yep, love being in the same room. It's just so good. Hello everybody. Um, so we've got our massive God of War review this week. That's right, the huge AAA title is out now. We played it, I finished it, Carl did not, but hey, it doesn't matter, we'll spoil it for him anyway later on in the show. Well, what about our listeners? Sorry guys, sorry about Callum. Okay, um, I respect you guys more than him, so we won't spoil it. Also, um, we've got a hype, love, and lame trains as always. Uh, we have a look back at the PlayStation 1 in Games of Our Lives. Oh yeah. But before we jump into all that, here's the news. <laughs> Mega Man X Legacy Collection 1 and 2 are releasing on July 24th. Yes. For the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and the PC. So split across two collections. It will include Mega Man X, X2, X3, and X4 on the first collection. And on the second collection will be X5, X6, You X7, really have to say every X8. single one of them? <laughs> yes. Okay, good, good. Also, the collection will include a 25-minute anime OVA, The Day of Sigma. Nice. Uh, Splatoon 2's massive 3.0 update is here. It's out now. So for those Splatoon fans or that are sort of curious in what's in this, there are a heap of changes to gear, music, uh, the single player mode, uh, the ranked mode, changes to the Splatfests, there are changes to regular battles, multiplayer, like the list is massive for this. There are so many changes. Wow, it is big. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's almost like Splatoon two point five. Yeah, that's huge. So uh, yeah, if you're a Splatoon fan, go check that out. Uh, Netflix has revealed more details about the uh, the Witcher anime, which is, which is in development. Okay, can't wait. So they have Netflix has ordered eight episodes for the Witcher animation, and it looks like it'll be airing at about twenty twenty. Uh, so it's a long way away. That's such a long way away. For eight episodes? They better be feature length. For eight episodes, and they're still being written at the moment. Only the pilot's been written. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, so bear with me here, right? So, Nintendo are getting a new president. The current president, Tatsumi Kimishima. Is that right? I think so. Kimishima will retire in June and will be succeeded by Shuntaro... Furaka. We practiced this, man. <laughs> Come on. So, yeah, this is a bit of uh, trivia, actually, for you, though. Um, this will be the sixth Nintendo president in its 128 years of operation. Man, wow. That is nuts. Um, Shuntaro Furukawa, for Thanks. those who wanted to Thanks. know who that was. But that is that is mental. Six presidents. And what were you saying? We've been through, like, Well, this three, will be four... this will be the third Nintendo president in three and a half years. So there's been three presidents in 128 years. Pretty much. Or in 125. Yeah. Wow. That is some extreme loyalty to the company. Yeah. So on average of that, of 125, you're looking at 30-year reigns for each president. Wow. That's amazing. Is that the... Uh... That's the news. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to have a little... Uh... Quick discussion on the games with gold versus PlayStation Plus games for the month of May. Round one, fight! Yeah, so we're only going to talk about these the first time that we get them all. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. instead of just repeating every time. And we thought we'd have a chat each episode, well, each time this happens, and, and talk about which one we reckon is the winner of the month. So, last month, Xbox won, which was weird already. Because, Wait, what did... It, no. Yeah, Xbox totally won last month. What did Xbox have last month? The Witness... Versus Mad Max. And they also had Assassin's Creed Syndicate and Dead Space 2. Yep. Yeah, cool. So, Xbox won last month. PlayStation had Mad Max and Trackmania. <laughs> still... It still is solid. fun, though. Trackmania still, still solid games. Before, though, PlayStation had um, Bloodborne and Ratchet and & Clank, and Xbox had Who Cares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is true. So, uh, PlayStation, for me, have Beyond Two Souls and Rayman Legends... Yep. And the Xbox has uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: to Phantom Pain and the Sega Vintage Collection and Vanquish. Vanquish. Platinum. Vanquish is like a 360 game, oh. uh, but it's like an action game made by Platinum, you know, okay. yeah, yeah, Bayonetta yeah. people. And apparently it's quite awesome. I've never played it, but now it's free. Ah, okay. Well, I'd have to say the Xbox wins. Just I, I would normally deduct marks because we saw Metal Gear Solid Five on PlayStation the other month, but... The Sega Vintage Collection brings that up. Yeah, you know who wouldn't deduct marks, though? Who? People who own an Xbox, <laughs> I think. I think they would be pretty happy with Metal Gear Solid Five for free. This is true. I don't understand why everyone's throwing this game away. <laughs> like, both PlayStation and Xbox are like, have it, just take it. I'm like, guys, this is a great game. Uh, if you guys haven't played it on Xbox yet for some crazy reason, one, don't ever listen to us again. Turn off this podcast, you're not my friend. Just kidding, we love you all. But please get it. Metal Gear Solid Five was a solid game. Oh yeah, I'm here all day. Um, <laughs> yeah, Xbox wins this time. Excellent. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's our... Uh, what? I don't even know what we're calling it. Something like a fight club. <laughs> well, put two, a PlayStation and an Xbox on the floor and see what happens. Maybe we could rest one on top of the other and just... Power them up. Actually, actually, put them in a small room. Actually, that reminded me of something. So, um, I, I, I'm in Queensland at the moment with Carl up here. But um, before I was coming away, I, I went, hmm, I wouldn't mind watching a movie on the plane or something. So I, I typed into Google, watch, you know, watch movies on my Switch, and I found a video on YouTube on how to put movies onto your Switch. And I'm like, no way. So I sat down and started watching this YouTube video. I was like, you know, the usual, oh, hey guys, uh, today I'm going to be showing you how to put a movie onto your Switch, all right? So and he starts going through all this stuff, right? He's getting his Switch out. You know how all yep. these videos, they have yep. this long, the cables everywhere. long, stupid start, and he's even detaching the Joy-Cons and all this sort of stuff. And then he finally goes into options. He's like, all right, guys, now we're going to go into options. We're going to go into settings here, right? See this? Go into settings. And you're like, yeah, okay, mate, just get on with it. Like, I'm like, come on. And he, anyway, he gets there and he sits on the settings page and then he um, he pulls out one of these movies. He's like, oh, this, this is Goldmember. This is like my favorite movie I've ever watched. I love Goldmember. This is the best movie ever. And he places the DVD case on top of the Switch and he goes, and that's how you put a movie on a Switch. <laughs> Oh wow! I was I was getting worried. I'm like, is this something we should be talking about on the podcast? Can we say this? I sat there stunned, looking at the screen. It was like, no, nah, not impressed. I'd laugh if you couldn't do it. And went, you should write to him and say like, I just I tried it, man, and it just keeps sliding right on off. Do you use some kind of like adhesive or? Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, the games we've been playing this week. Well, I thought I'd just quickly touch on the Bloodborne challenge. Oh, yeah, of Where course. Where I'm up to, I, I ticked 100 deaths. 100 deaths, you're pretty bad. Yep, I'm better than you because you haven't even played it. So I, um... That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite far into the game, I think. So 
Uh, yeah, lots of exercises being done, of course. Callan, what is the Bloodborne Challenge for our new listeners? Oh, well, for our new listeners, um, so the, the Bloodborne Challenge is I'm playing uh, Bloodborne on Twitch at the moment each week. I do that on Sunday night and then Wednesday night. And pretty much the uh, the challenge is that every time I die in Bloodborne, I have to do weights or push-ups or, or things like that. So if you want to have a look at oh, all yeah, these yeah. Uh, shenanigans, go check out twitch.tv slash Twitch. Also, on Monday nights, I play um, I play a random variety game. No exercise for me, though. Hell to the no. And uh, this Thursday night, I also may be doing a variety stream that night, too. So jump in and uh, hang out for that. Nice. Uh, okay, so I guess we talk more about games we've been playing, and there's only one real thing besides our review game that we just uh, we jumped, finally, onto Labo. Labo. Labo is out, everyone. Labo is here. So, uh, for those who don't know, that don't know what the Labo is, it is exclusive to Nintendo Switch, and yep. pretty much it is cardboard that you mould into things. <laughs> you fold it and slot it into different sections, and many pieces fit together, and they sort of, like wrap around your Joy-Cons and Switch screen and turn that into a whole interactive toy game system. That's right. So we both bought the variety pack. Yes. So there was two packs you could buy, the variety pack and the robot pack. But the variety pack had five things in it. Yep, five, like, builds. Five builds, while the robot one only had one and was a bit more expensive. So I went, "Ah, I'll go with the more over the... Yeah. Yeah, so it's all right, cardboard, I guess. Yeah, I think think it works for what it is. Like, it, it has to fold... And it feels, once the things are built, um, the ones I've built, they just, they feel a lot more solid than I thought they would because it, it kind of gets like, it's hard to explain, but the contraptions are quite filled with more cardboard folded into other pieces and it all comes together as quite a solid thing, not like an empty box or something. Yeah, there's like rubber bands and string and... Yeah, it's pretty technical. I had a lot of fun actually making the objects. I, I found like, it was... And even with the guide, there was something so satisfied about it. And I, I had to remind myself, it was like the most intuitive and satisfying puzzles I've played in ages. Like, it felt like a little puzzle game in itself. The downside is once it was finally done and you played the game it was made for, I was like, eh, I just kind of want to build more. Yep, I, I built the RC car first, which is, I don't even know what that was in the end. Like, I put a video on, on Instagram of this awkward box thing walking around on the table now having said that there are a lot of things that are just real simple straightforward games but there's a section there's a create section a play section and then a third section called discover and discover is really awesome because even with something as simple as that like vibrating moving animal bug dog that they call rc car if you just click on play you can like vibrate the car and make it move forward and backwards and sideways whatever but if you click on discover it's got these really cool, like, deep steps in, like, a game where you have to click each step and they tell you how a certain thing works and what the technology is actually doing and how amazing it is. And then they explain, like, there's kind of like a night vision camera on it as well. Yep. In, like, a really crude one, but still amazing because there is no camera on the Switch. And it's like, like, the game itself is not fun, but the technology is so fascinating and, and fun to step into and have them teach it to you. Um, they have like this infrared reader that just kind of reads the distance of everything but it can do it in pitch black because it's only seeing like it's only sending signals and having them come back but you get this strange like shapes which are legit I had it in front of my puppy and I could see his face in front of me and it was like all kind of 
pixelated but green and you could put it inside a box or close yourself in a cupboard and you could still see all the objects. It's super interesting, but it's more like visiting the science museum than going to Dreamworld. Yep. You know? Uh, I made the fishing rod. Yes. So that, that was kind of cool. Um, I kind of like how it works. If, you know, you've, it's got a, rod, a reel that you sort of reel and it's got string on it and then you, where it sort of sits with the switch is that you, you drop the string down and then it looks like you're it's a continuation of the string that you've actually got in the rod in your hands. So yeah, okay. and then, then you can sort of reel that down and then catch fish and then reel the fish up sort of thing. And is it like, can you feel a bit of pull or strength? Kind of. It's kind of like a little, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just more of me going, hey, <laughs> Yeah, just waving around like, yeah, I'm so, fishing, I'm fishing. So that was the one I made and I tried your motorbike one. Before. Yeah, I made the motorbike. It was so fun to build because of all the moving parts and there's like buttons and, and the throttle works and you put like all these different rubber bands in it so it creates resistance. So the further you pull the throttle the sort of more tension it gets and it twists and turns and feels quite cool but the game sucks yeah <laughs> it's just it's bad i don't know it feels like it feels like they were testing mario kart and this is what they sent everyone to be like hey it works now let's make it fun mm-hmm. so like yeah i spent about 2 minutes in it and went well yeah and i spent nearly an hour making the thing and yep. having a ball so yeah i think this I don't know, it feels like this is so fun and 100% worth the money if you have kids. Yep. Please, if you're like 13 up, don't buy this for fun. That is just, the building and all the interaction is amazing. Like, I was actually legitimately blown away with how some of this stuff was working. I wouldn't buy it as a grown-ass man for fun. Get Lego. And uh, on the next episode, we will also report in on what the uh, Labo piano and house are like as well. Oh my God, having said all that, I'm so excited for the piano. (laughs) I'm so, so excited. I take back everything I said. Buy it, everybody. Buy it. Build the piano. So, uh, yeah, we'll let you know what those uh, sort of play like on the the next episode of Game Train. And that's the games we've been playing for, uh, for this episode. Uh, so this week's shout out is Stone Maid, rock and roll. Um, you guys might remember her. Uh, she's um, she makes this awesome crochet thing. She's uh, just gotten stuff into stores. One in Queensland and one in New Caledonia, which is really awesome. And she made uh, the switch holders, the uh, sort of yarn kind of crocheted switch holders that we had for a while there, and they're still available. She's just on at Stone Maid on Instagram, S-T-O-N-E-M-A-D-E. Um, and yeah, her stuff's pretty awesome. She's a big supporter of the show and a huge fan, so, you know, I thought we'd uh, we'd shout out and say thank you. Uh, so that's our, our shout out for the week. So the feature game this week is God of War. My son... We do not fight because the world makes us fight. We fight for a greater purpose. Developed by Santa Monica Studio and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment comes the latest in the God of War series. Nailed it. Thanks. Um, So this one is several iterations down the track in the series now. So we've already gone through several years ago, sort of uh, Kratos' sort of, I guess, Spartan journey. Yeah. And now they he is in um sort of dealing with Norse mythology. So it is a um it is an action adventure game with some open world elements and some RPG ish upgrading elements as well. I guess it says open world as like Tomb Raider the new the first, you know, Tomb yeah. Raider one and two remakes. Uh, a very heavily story based game. Tomb Raider meets Uncharted. Yeah. 
in exactly. like a god world. And um, yeah, so Kratos was always known as like this sort of angry god that was running around killing other gods for numerous reasons. Yes. So after he sort of finished off the uh, Pantheon over in Greece, he's uh, headed up north into uh, Scandinavia, it looks like now. Yep. And um, he wants a quiet life. He's now got a son, you know, yep. lives off in the woods. Yep. Um, and the game begins with uh, his uh, his wife has just passed away. Spoilers, I'm joking. Yes, yes, We're correct. touching very light story stuff here. Yeah, we well, we have to mention that don't be scared. We're, this is going to be completely spoiler-free. We're not going to yes. tell you any, you know, twists and turns, of which there are many, or maybe there aren't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so his, uh, Kratos' wife has passed away, and pretty much uh, her final wish was to have her ashes spread from the from the highest peak. Yes. So um, it's almost like a sort of a, a coming of age story for his son. Yeah. Who, who who journeys with him to, to the mountain. So he's teaching his son about sort of living and hunting and you know turning growing into a man. Yeah, and which is I find really interesting because him teaching his son acts as like the game teaching us. So it they really handle well things like the tutorial and. I I actually haven't seen it handled as well as it has in this game. These kind of things, like the tutorial, for example, he explains everything to his son, so you don't feel belittled by the game telling you how to do it. And you're like, dude, I'm the god of war. Why do I need to be taught how to hold a shield? But then it does stuff like side quests. And because his son is there, it's so cool because Kratos can still retain his character and say like, no, I'm not doing these errands. And the kid's like, please, let's check this out and let's help here and he's like fine we can look you can look but I'm just going to do the adventure and I don't know I find that so clever like they never really break character and still you feel like you're learning and having an excuse to do all these different things like one of my favorite things you got to shoot a bunch of birds you know and and collect all of them and it's like games have never been able to say like why do I have to kill these hundred birds you know just because someone wants it but this one they say it's they're the eyes of Odin yeah and so you have to kill them because he's spying on you I'm like Great! There's a reason to go hunt these birds, you know, like, to collect them, because I don't want to be seen by Odin. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just a really cool way to, like, um, sort of uh, put a lot of elements like that into the game. And also, one of the, uh, I guess, design choices of this game was to make the game look like one long shot. Or yes. Or, like, one long camera shot. So, in, you know, just about every game you play, the camera cuts away, or there are loading screens, um, et cetera, et cetera you know, jumps to a different scene of, like, the bad guys talking or whatever. No, there's none of this. The camera is always with Kratos and his son. Yep. And... There's no meanwhile. Yeah, there's no meanwhile. It's always following you. It's always around the area. Um, and they don't cut at all. So the camera will sweep and pan and and tilt and sort of follow Kratos and then sort of move maybe in front of him and then turn back around. Yeah. They, 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 they use it in a lot of... They, there is loading in this game, but... Through the work with the camera, they disguise those loading screens yes. so that you don't see the buffering going on. Yeah, and it's it's just brilliantly done because there's also, because of the no cuts, there's no shortcuts in storytelling. Like from the moment Kratos and his son, like from the moment they're inside their home and mourning, you know, his mother and Kratos' wife, and it's like quiet and they're leaning in and it's dark with a candle. And then next minute they're fighting giant ogres and elves on a on a giant tower and then they're in a boat in a lake and all of that happened one after the other like in in a joined sequence there's not like and then they wake up three days later and 
they're in a different place. Like it's, I find it so amazing that they have these really intimate, quiet story moments and these grand battles and they go in and out of different houses and underground and all, but it all happens in one take. Yeah, and th- fascinating. there is a major battle at the start of the game between Kratos and the stranger. Yes. Who knocks on his door, uh, who is an, another god. Yep. And they um, they have a, a a very, very fierce battle, which pretty much ends up with like half the forest around there being knocked down. Um, Mountains move, uh, yeah, earth breaks. Yeah, yeah. Like, holes in the ground and all this sort of stuff happens. Again, all in one take. Yeah, and I think that was one of the, just the most enjoyable, entertaining boss fights I've ever had, I think. Like, it kind of felt like I was watching this awesome action movie with, like, brilliant effects, but I was controlling it, and, you know, they take control away from you at times, but you always feel like you're responsible for the things that are happening. I was I was so impressed, and then I thought, this better not just be one of those, like, huge hooks to try and pull me in, and then it goes down, like, where can it go from here? And it just keeps impressing me, like, it... it it like it keeps getting bigger and more grand and the set pieces are just like you remember in like they really capture that feeling of playing god of war one two and three back then when you played it and were like how am i climbing this guy's finger and and how am i gonna fight him and you know in the first god of war where you kill that giant like leviathan snake thing by stabbing its head through the post of a boat and it was like it was just amazing stuff and they've kind of like you have to do so much to impress the uh, modern gamer now, but color me impressed, man. I was stoked. Well, the, the general combat's quite fun and slick. Like, the game moves at a really nice pace. Um, you know, yep. combat is, is kind of takes some elements from Dark Souls. It's got the same buttons as in dodging and attacking, etc. And, and shield. And, and shield. And also, there's a lot less enemies than there has been in, in other God of War games, but it's a lot harder. Like, each each enemy is kind of a lot more... Uh, sturdier than in the old ones where you kind of just wipe them all out in a big sweep and they're just yeah yeah so it's a bit more intimate in that way as well like yeah and and you know it's like it's set up in Scandinavia so there's a lot of sort of snow areas but then there's also a beautiful lake that you go to which is sort of like an open worldish part of the game yep yep um and then there's forest that you go into as well with like all bright colored leaves and there's sort of like, you know, dark, dank caves and like, you know, old sort of ruins and things like that. It's that not just the snow. It's at not least. just yeah. the snow. Which I thought it could have been yeah, when I, I th- started. Well, when I first saw screenshots and that, because I didn't watch really any trailers of it, yeah. I sort of stay, stay clear. Yep. Um, it, everything was like them in the snow and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I guess it's Skyrim-y kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, there's a lot of variety to the different environments in the game. Yep, which is awesome. And they look stunning like i don't know if we've mentioned but the graphics like you see them in screenshots and stuff but when you actually play it on like a big beautiful screen and it just man that game is just glorious it it looks really nice it's i think it's as good as uncharted like yeah well i was playing it on a playstation pro on a 4k tv yeah you bastard and it, it looked it looked awesome like even just down to like his his be- kratos's beard blowing in the wind yes that is quite amazing um well, before we also move on, like I, I just think it's so awesome to see Kratos finally growing as a character. Yeah. Like, as a person. Because well, then just, rawr, I smash things. Yeah, in like six games, or I don't know how many games there's been, but in every single one of them, he's like, I'm angry because you killed someone, or someone came up, I'm just, I'm so angry, I'm going to kill everyone and everything. And he feels that way from start to finish, and then into the next game. And in this, he's like... 
there's remorse. And he, there's, he doesn't want his son to grow up the same way he did. Yeah, and, and there's fear and there's concern. And it, you see it in his actions and he, he doesn't speak much. But when he does, there's really nice exchanges between him and the son. Simple actions like if he's going through... I really love seeing this. When he goes through like a skinny... You know, you see it in the Tomb Raider games a lot. When they have to squeeze through a little crack between two huge mountains or rocks or something. He'll always stand back and he'll nod his head for his son to go in first. Kind of like calling him over. And I just... I love that. It's so... It's like... He's showing this concern and care. Like he doesn't just go in and just assume his son will be fine. Like he's always worried about him. It's just this warm part of Kratos that I never thought I'd see. and never thought I'd care about. But I really do. And it's really nice to see. There was a, a quote by one of the characters in the game actually. And I feel like it's a, um, like a little shout out to itself. Where one of the characters says, uh, he talks about like, a fiery place being not as fiery anymore because it's been there since the dawn of time and the snowy places aren't quite as snowy because, again, and then he says, you'll find that extremes are tempered by time. And I thought that was so clever, like it was almost them talking about God of War the game as well because it was it used to exist in just one extreme yeah, and now it has been tempered by time. So I thought that was really cool. There is a lot to talk about in this game, and I could go on about its awesomeness for ages. Well, we spoke a little bit about the open worldness before, so it's not fully open world, it's just parts that are open world. But you can do a lot of side quests away from the main storyline. Yeah, yeah. Which is always fun, which I've been which I did a lot of um, when I played through the game. Yeah. Um, and I made sure I just did about just about every one of them actually. There what I love is there are massive areas that you can just completely miss. Yes. It's like it's not open world, but like it joins into all these different sort of locations that you can go in. in those locations that we like two or three little mini adventures with like mini bosses and uh, like power ups to gain and little bits of lore to learn. And you can miss whole sections like hours of gameplay just by not talking to like someone. Yeah, I love that. I think it's it's so cool to see it reward exploration like that. Yeah, it does. It's quite rewarding. And um, the end game sort of side quests that I did, I'm not going to go into for spoiler reasons, but they're yeah. all different and rewarding in their own way in that they are presented to you. Yes. Oh, and man, worth this is really worth mentioning, and is that um, his son is absolutely not annoying. It doesn't feel like an escort mission. You're not looking after him. You're not waiting for him. He's like more of a mechanic. He's like another yeah. weapon. Yep. He's like a extra turret or something, you know, like yep. and I love you don't you get in a boat, he's in the boat. You climb in a wall, he's up there. You don't have to like slow down or make sure he's okay. He's always okay. Actually there there's one little annoyance I had in that um there is uh, a challenge at one stage of fighting monsters, but the only way to kill them is if they're in and for it to count is that they're inside a ring. And, oh. and so I would weaken them down and then try and quickly kill them in the ring. But sometimes the boy in his enthusiasm would kill the enemy before it reached the ring. Oh. Little, and, and you can't you can't call him off. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right? Just little things like that was a little. Ooh, when you when he's you too useful. When you didn't want him to go <laughs> yeah. and kill that enemy, you're trying to guide into this ring to kill, and and he's like jumping on him, stabs him. And you're like, oh, that was great. Well done. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, but I know what you mean. He's, he's very automatic in everything else he does, which is quite quite useful. And it feels natural. At yeah. first, it's confusing. You're like, wait, I got to tell him when to throw the arrow and I got to fight as well. But yeah. soon you figure it out and he's just auto-aim. And then he like helps you with little switches and power-ups. Yeah. And it's cool chain. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. and so on. But it's not all 
perfect. No, no. It sounds like it is, but there are a few there niggling... There are little things. Uh, let's talk the minimap. Now, we're both fans of minimaps and maps in games. Yes, love from, them. From awesome maps like uh, Assassin's Creed Origins map. Yep, and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawns, through to awful maps like Nier Automatas. Goodness, Nier. <laughs> so, um, goodness, goodness. Yeah, I, the minimap in this looks nice. It's, it's very nicely presented, but it doesn't give enough information, right? So there are yep. there are lots of chests and things to find in this game, but they've done it in this in the style that you can't get everything until you get certain abilities or certain yeah, like a Metroidvania, happen. like a Metroidvania game. So Arkham's. You, so you'll you be know. in a random cave and you'll be like, "Oh, there's a chest. Oh, but I'll come back and get that later." But you forget about it, and it's never marked on your map or anything like that, and you just forget to go back and get it. And even like sometimes, I'll be doing a few like back and forths inside a cave or something. You're like. Oh, where, which way was I headed? And then you look at the map and there's just a, a, a painting of, of, of like of a symbol, rocks. like a tree, Yeah, a giant tree. And it's like, you're at the tree. I'm like, yeah, but where, where near the tree? Is it behind me? Like, no, you're at the, you're just at the tree. Yeah. And, and there's no detail in like, if you're in a cave and you want to bring out the map, for example, if you haven't gone down a corridor, like, you know, in other games where it's like, yep. you shade it off, you're like, oh, yeah, there might have been something back there. Yes. Oh, I'll turn back around. There's none of that going on. There's no corner well, map. I or... feel like they could have done it in a style that maybe the whole way, because the kid writes a lot of notes down in his logbook, that yep. he'd been drawing, like, rough sketches of everywhere he'd gone and things like that. And they, they could have incorporated it that way. That yeah. he'd been sort of sketching out where you've been. There's but even and treasure taking, maps, and, and they're not even maps. Yeah, and taking notes of, like, old chests and things like that. And it would yes. have been a great way to incorporate all that into the game in a really nice way. That would have been awesome, actually. That's The, the kid's notes are really cool. Like, he's... He's writing down and taking notes about, like, as you learn, he's kind of writing like a tutorial as you play. So when you meet a guy that you fought before, you can go back to his notes and he says, like, oh, I think, you know, we should definitely dodge this guy's attacks uh, instead of blocking them because last time they really nailed us. And I, I really like that it's in his perspective. But yeah, those maps, yep. it is gorgeous, though. It looks like the intro of Game of Thrones. Yeah. I, you know, like, I'd love it as a collectible. Um, another annoyance I've had with the game is the fast travel system. Yeah. It's very tedious. Yep. Uh, in just the way it's it's done, I see why they've done it for the whole one cut one thing. cut mm. um, style of game. But there's sometimes where you just want to get from A to B, yeah, straight away. Um, I'm not going to go into real detail on the fast travel because I it feel just could have been implemented. It, better. it just could have been implemented better without the tedium that it is. Yep. And um, another thing that I uh, it's good and bad. I thought the story was great. Up to a point in the game. Okay, and don't I, say careful. I'm being very careful here, <laughs> but I expected more from it after everything that had been going on in the game up to that point. Ah, I, right. I I was expecting just a, just more from it, and I didn't get that, and I was left not disappointed, maybe a little flat at the ending. Okay, okay, interesting. Yeah. So, in saying all that, what are you going to give this game? Because a lot of people have been giving it very high scores. A lot of people are already calling it the game of the year, or you could call it the game of the quarter so far. I would fairly say it is my game of the year thus far. The main thing I found through my play is that the whole game grows on me the more I play it. So, and that was like the structure. I was like a bit unsure about the, like, oh, it's not completely open world. It's, but the more I played, it was like, the more this is perfect. The story was weird at, at first because I was uncomfortable with this Greek god character being, but the more, because I thought it would be quite tacked on, but I don't know how they've done it, but they've written it beautifully. And the, the relationship with the son, 
the old school exploration, you know, like the collecting feels right. The RPG elements, which we haven't even mentioned, which I can't even go into too long because this will just go forever. But they are, they start off so basic and then they get really complex if you want them to. And there's moves and things you can add to your outfits. Kratos can change what he's wearing. I I love it. So I gave this a 9.7 carriages out of 10. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's that's huge. Yeah, I really like the uh, RPG elements, actually. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't mention it. Uh, it's just too much I, to actually, talk about. Actually, that's another knock, though, because you get so many different moves in the game, and you can really only have two on you at a time. I can barely figure out the controls with just two. Oh, I just, like, you know, because he gets all these cool moves, like being able to stun and, and throw his axe or hits everyone in the room and slam the floor. Pile but or... you only get two of those at a time, and you're like, well, I would like to be able to do multiple of these in a row. Well, it gives the replayability of every battle, you know, you're like, how would this battle go if I tried these is, two? This is true. I think it, oh, the, those RPG elements, man, I, I can't believe we didn't mention them earlier, but like, even yeah. the armor, like, not just you can get all different kinds of armor, you can upgrade all of it. You and can then upgrade it, and there's, add craft, stones there's and, crafting materials to get. Uh, actually, another thing, you mentioned the stones, the, uh, the stones with the enhancements, taking him in and out of your um, of your armor. Oh, yes. was a little clunky in the way that did it. Yeah, yeah. could yep. have done that actually a lot more slick as well. So that's that, true. that was another slight I had on the game. That's true. It's hard to find slights for this game, but there are some there. It is. I was... It sounds weird, but I was almost excited when I saw something bad. I'm like, oh, good. Something yeah. that doesn't sound like I'm just gushing over this thing I'm fanboying over. I'm like, yes, the thing that makes us sound like reviewers. Exactly. And <laughs> yeah. in saying that, as a reviewer, I'm going to give this a 9.3 out of 10. Yes. Oh, a nine, a 9 ish from you as well. 9.3, yes. I, oh, I didn't go to higher 9 like you. But, no, no, um, yeah. So you're the lower 9s and the higher 9s? Yes. That's God of War. No matter the darkness. <laughs> Nothing will stand in our way. Alright, now we're on to our Game of Our Lives segment, talking about each console that we have ever owned and our favourite game that we owned on that console. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the games of our lives. Right, so um, this week it is the PlayStation 1. Now, I never bought a PlayStation 1 brand new. I bought one off a kid at school for 30 bucks. Yeah, I think I got like some junky modded one from a friend or something. And yep. that was my... Yeah, never mind what I did with it. But I played games on it. Yeah, and well, the game I uh, I bought for was Final Fantasy IX. So that's going in as my game this week. So my game was actually nice. more expensive than my console. I had to pay 80 bucks for the game. But I spent 30 bucks on the console. Wasn't there like four discs on that or something? Uh, yes. Yeah, four discs. I miss changing discs. I don't, but I miss the like... Do you know what, do you know what I grandness. like the most about the, the discs change? Is that you could go, oh, where are you up to? And you go, oh, I'm on disc two. And you go, oh, I'm on disc two as well. And you can talk everything disc one with no spoilers. Yeah. Now, I guess these days have got chapters and things. Yeah. But I don't know. I just like the whole disc talk. Yeah. And I do. I miss how grand it was when you're like, you pay 80 bucks and you open it and you're like, four discs. Hell yeah. This is huge. What a vast adventure I'm about to go on. Whereas now, if you got the same game, if you got like Skyrim back in the day or you got Mario Kart, it's the same disc and you're like, yeah. which one is a grand adventure and which one is just a quick little racing game? Um, man, I so wanted mine to be Abe's Odyssey Oddworld, which was like a PlayStation game and known for it, but I played it on PC. So um. it really doesn't count. Having said that, I have to say, man, it's it's a huge library to choose from. Like the PlayStation One library was ridiculous. 
towards the end. They're just hundreds, but I think it's Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. I wanted to use that, but I played it on PC, so... Same uh, issue as I, me. I was, uh, I was void on that one, so yeah. Yeah, plus I don't think you deserve it after what happened at Netherworld. Well, you said you're like, oh, my kid, this game. I didn't know it was like your favorite PlayStation 1 title of all time. Changes things a little. <laughs> it's Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of games. Back in the day, you only have like two or three, and you master the hell out of yeah, them. Yeah. Man, I've got a million points on the demo. Yeah. So that's with no skill increases. That's just on the demo. In France. In France. Yeah, yeah I love that demo. Yeah. Actually, the demo might be my favorite yeah, the game. Yeah, what? Man. It's, that demo was so fun, because yeah. it's only one track. Chad Muska. Was it only Chad Muska? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Chad, on fr- uh, Chad and Tony Hawk. So Tony Hawk was air skater. But most people went, nah, I want to do nah. the grinds and the manuals. Yeah, yeah. No one wanted... Manuals was the fresh thing they brought in with, in part two, and that just that changed everything. Amazing game. All right, we're going to move on to our questions now. And, ah, yes. Uh, question this week comes from one of our long-term listeners, Brendan Hawkins. You've got the, you've got the question there, Carl. Yes. Would you like to read it out? <clears throat> okay. He says... I've always loved video games, but for a couple of years I was rarely getting the opportunity to play as life got busy and the consoles were starting to gather dust. Two things changed that. One, ahem, the Game Train podcast launched and your infectious love of games and fun reviews soon had me itching to pick up a controller. Thanks guys. You're welcome. I'm pretty stoked with that. Um, And number two, I took some Game Train advice and picked up a Nintendo Switch. Now I play in short to medium bursts while my family watches something else on TV and we can all be in the same room still chatting. Yes, the Switch is like heaven to people who have been slowly missing out on gaming. Anyway, I'll continue. In the past 12 months, I've rolled credits on 6 or 7 games by chipping away. It's great. I still have precious little time to devote to games though. Which brings me to my next question. Is Skyrim worth the time? And hold on, hold on, he has a bit more. I've never played it before, and I was gifted a copy for Switch. And despite reputation, 45 minutes in, I'm feeling it's a little clunky compared to newer releases. Should I make a long-term commitment to invest my time in this game, which seems like a biggie, or will it fall short of expectations all these years after launch? Switch. He's asking. So his main two points okay, is okay. his main two points is I don't have other things and I don't have time. I only have my Switch. Should I jump into this huge? Skyrim Adventure, which he's never played Skyrim ever before. But he just said he played he 45 minutes of it and he thought it was clunky. Should he continue? Well, Brendan, it gets worse from there. There'll be more clunkiness to come. It doesn't get worse from there. It's, it's, a, it's an old <laughs> game. It is now seven years old. Seven years of refinement and it is a lot yeah, more yeah. solid on the right. Switch. You know, it's, it's great that it is on Switch now. Will it be on mobile phones next? We don't know yet. I think it might be. But... These days, you don't have much time to play everything, right? Dude, he has a Switch. Yeah, that's right. He has a Switch. He also has Zelda on that Switch. He's already played Zelda. Okay, that's nice. But he also has a PlayStation. He could go get God of War. He has a family. He wants to chip away. I think... He could sit there with his daughter playing God of War and he, he'll tear up at Kratos talking to his son in this game. And when his like, wife wants he... to watch TV... Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Give it a switch. <laughs> Look, I'm just, you I'm just. Put, you can put a TV on your switch now. I'm throwing this out there, but I think Skyrim was one of my favorite video game experiences ever, ever. The amount of things that you can achieve in that, and it's clunkiness. I, I loved it seven years ago. Not now. If you, I if play you, it now. No, you don't. 
I, all dead play it now. Do you have it on your Switch? I've already played it. Yeah, exactly. If I never played it, man, I would just jump into this adventure. The no, things you, no, you can you do. Because, uh, all right, all right, World of Warcraft. You haven't gone into that as a massive adventure. Ew, gross, yuck, no way. Exactly, see what no, I mean? No, no, I'm, to go back to I'm a Bethesda games. fan. So what I love about Bethesda is they have these big open worlds, but they don't just fill it with space. Like Fallout and Skyrim, they have so many nooks and crannies and everything and everyone does something and you have to walk like barely meters and you find like these giant sprawling adventures and you become a vampire or a werewolf or a master thief or a master magician or you can do none of those things or all of them or you can put a bucket on someone's head and see what happens or or you can do absolutely nothing and watch someone talk to a god and say quick go on the king like 10 hundred million villages away and then that person runs away and if you secretly follow them they go all the way to the king and they ride on a horse they get off they walk they walk through villages and then they walk to the king and tell him the message everyone has their like own lives written and programmed for them it's clunky because of how many systems are going on all at the same time and i just feel like still in an open world there's nothing quite like that adventure well there you go that's uh, that's our argument sir yeah so let us know what you did with all that <laughs> yep. i love the fact that he says he takes game train advice so what do you do now at this crossroads you'll probably go with yours because yours is quite a compelling argument but i'm gonna say it's a long game you're looking at 200 hours going into that would you rather spread that 200 hours over a seven-year-old game or use that 200 hours and spread it across a bunch of new games coming out this year a la red dead redemption 2 yeah uh and also let me know how well that runs on your switch and, and also Spider-Man as well. Oh yeah, let me know how well that runs on your he, Switch he also. Has a play, the man has a PlayStation. He's car. talking about adventures on his Switch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Good luck and thank you so much for writing in. <laughs> Alright guys, so this bringing us to the end of the episode. Remember, if you want to ask us any questions, grab us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast or our website at www.gametrainpodcast.com and also remember, you can catch us on Twitch several times a week at twitch.tv slash gametraintwitch. Um, we're trying to build a following on there. Please make an account. Come follow us. It helps us so much. Um, remember, every Sunday and Wednesday night is my Bloodborne Challenge. Carl's Random Game Night is Mondays at 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And I am doing Variety on Thursday at 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And we also might be getting our third mysterious Game Train member, Twan, who no one ever sees, to do a session during the week one day. Yeah, playing some Overwatch. Playing some Overwatch. So Not to can... presume what game he'll play, but it's Overwatch. Yeah, we can watch him put down his precious little towers as Torbjorn. Don't, don't knock those towers, I know, man. I know. All right, so let's move on to the end of the show of the Lame Love and Hot Trains, and let's kick it off with the Lame Train. <laughs> Right, so Carl, what is your lame train this week? My lame train this week is trailers. Just trailers, all trailers ever. No one knows the art of a good trailer anymore, and it, it's annoying. The latest Kingdom Hearts trailer came out, and there was like speculation, just rumors, but it just fueled me because these rumors have been pr- proven true with so many things before it movies, games, Super Mario Odyssey. Um, but the rumors is that almost all the worlds, all the new worlds, have been revealed by like one maybe two in the trailers. And I'm like, why do I even play Kingdom Hearts? And the main reason, besides story and gameplay, is 
like seeing the surprise of which worlds I discover. And if you just show them all to me in trailers, I don't know, it takes away so much of that magic for me. That's my lame train. Cool. All right. <laughs> um, all good. All right. So my lame train is there is no single player, as the rumors go, no single player in the new Call of Duty Black Ops. Now, what are you guys doing there, Call of Duty? Like, seriously, you guys have been building such strong campaigns the last few years, and then you go and throw it out the window? What, so you yeah. can go up against Overwatch, PUBG, Fortnite? Why? You're going to bring out a Battle Royale next. They probably are. There's yeah. rumours there as well. Yeah. Why Why are people going to go drop 80 bucks on your game when they could go buy Overwatch as a fantastic online multiplayer experience, play Fortnite for free, PUBG for not much more than that? Yeah. Why are they going to go drop 80 bucks on your game, put in a fantastic single-player experience, and put everything else's you know, extras in there. Like, I don't get this. Yeah, it just seems a bit lazy, really. I don't know. It's like... And then it's Black Ops 4. Black Ops had its own storyline. The Black Ops ones were the best ones. Away from the other Call of Duties, and it had a storyline that went through to three games, or characters that would reoccur. And now you're just going to go, all right, we're going to call it Black Ops 4. Why don't you just call it Call of Duty Multiplayer? Just call it that. Call of Duty Online. Call of Duty Online, or Call of Duty MP. Yeah. All of that works, you know? And then, yeah, sell it at Call of Duty Battle Royale and charge 80 bucks for it. <laughs> All right, okay, on to our love train. Yay. Uh, my love train this week is games coming out, like these big games like Zelda and, and God of War and stuff, and they take concepts that we've been used to for so many years, but then they just add that extra bit of spice in it and sets a new benchmark on gaming. Yes. Right? Yep. So last year we had Zelda, which was a big open world game. You're like, oh, that's cool. But you could climb anywhere. Yeah, yep. And you're like, whoa, I can climb anywhere in this game? Yeah, it was It was like an add-on to that thing where you used to say, like, see that mountain? You can go to it. And it's like, well, we've all seen that now. Like, yeah. yeah, but you can climb the tree next to it or the house next to it. Yep. Everything. Yeah, exactly. And then this time it's with God of War with the whole um, seamless story of just a whole one cut. Going from combat into story into combat into fast travel yep. into exploration uh, into and fighting and sailing you know something massive into sailing again and all this stuff in one seamless cut style it's just different ways of taking an age old concept because when you when you first see God of War trailers you think oh cool this is Uncharted but I've got an axe yes yep. but it, the way that they've done it with these new way of of, of telling the story it just sort of invigorates that style and that's what I'm loving this week is the invigoration which comes along every so often and you go wow that's really cool yep that is very true what I'm loving which has been around since the start of the generation is PlayStation Share very big fan it's amazing and it's so handy if you have like two consoles within the same home or whatever and you you can just you don't have to buy two copies for two fighting brothers or anything like that like I can't believe they've added that so um but I think that's really awesome cool all right, now on to the hype train. Boom. All right. Um, mine's easy. It's that the Mega Man X collection got a launch date, and it's July 24th, which is so much closer than I expected because of the uh, Mega Man 11 date. And so I was expecting that, but I was so happy to find out that also all eight of them are coming out in the same time. So, yeah, they're not going to split it. I thought maybe one will come out next year. or So I'm, I'm really hype about that. Nice. I'm not. Oh, is that your hype train? No. Oh, cool. Then how come your uh, 
You're in here. No, I'm just not that excited for Mega Man. Well, oh, that's funny. What are you excited about then? <laughs> not not Skyrim, not no, Mega Man. No, no, Should no. we do like a sports podcast or something? If none of this gaming stuff excites you, FIFA World Cup. No, um, it looks like I'm probably going to sit down and try and finish finally Persona this week. I'm right near the end of the game now. So you're knocking my hype train of Mega Man X one to eight of this character I'm excited about that I have tattooed on my arm and your hype train is Persona again and it's already been out and you've already been playing it nearly to completion yeah because it, it's been a long time coming it's a long game it's a 100 hour game I started it last year and something that I've sort of gone back to so in you're pieces. hyped to finally get it over yeah. with and just get it out of your life because you hate it so no, much I, I love it so much and you can't and wait it's to so good Get ended. It's amazing, and and the anime is amazing too. If anyone's an anime fan out there, I've been watching the anime still. Three episodes are out now, so go catch that. It's really, really good. And part four, the whole thing's out as well. The anime for Persona Four. Oh yeah, Persona. 4. Sorry, not the fourth episode. You're yeah. like, did I miss one? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, bye. <laughs> nice. All right. So that brings us to the end of episode thirty-six of the Game Train Podcast. Remember, we'll be back again in two weeks for more Game Train shenanigans. And our review game will be Donkey Kong on the Nintendo Switch. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. That's right, on Nintendo Switch, which is actually a remake of the Wii U version, but we both never played it. Yes. So we're going to review it as if it's a brand new Donkey Kong game out on the Switch. Rock and roll. All right, thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys, for listening. And, uh, yeah, if you uh, want to write us a review or whatever, please jump on iTunes and uh, throw one up there for us because every review helps as well. Yes, it really helps, guys. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone who already has. You guys have been awesome. All right, and this has been Game Train. (laughs) 